Today's reading is from the first chapter of Mark. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat, mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The Gospel of our Lord. Let's begin with prayer. Holy God, break into our ordinary lives. Help us to see your light piercing the darkness around us and align our actions and words with yours. Amen. The scripture this morning has two distinct parts. It begins with a pivotal announcement of Jesus' purpose. In modern terms, it's like his mission statement or his inaugural address. To the people of his day, the kingdom of God was central to all the promises of the Old Testament. Mark, in the very first chapter, unequivocally states that Jesus is the bearer and fulfillment of God's reign in the world. God's reign was breaking in as the person and work of Jesus of Nazareth. And the good news here was the arrival of God's reign. They'd been waiting, and the people heard according to the teachings of their ancestors. We know from other scripture that Jesus compared the kingdom of God to all sorts of things, mustard seeds, vineyards, cheating servants. The kingdom of God is like, is the beginning of how many parables? The breaking in of God's reign and rule was clearly a big deal in the hearts and minds of the people who heard Jesus' proclamation. But each one heard it with the ears of their personal history and traditions, just as we hear and understand ideas based on our individual frame of reference. The proclamation came with a call to repent or turn around from your worldly ways to face God. It was time to turn around in response to the call to discipleship. And also, we have a call to believe. The kingdom of God was at hand, and to believe meant to obey the call to follow. So the second part of the reading might be understood as a demonstration of the first part with the calling of Simon, Andrew, John, James, and John. Mark's gospel was written with a sense of urgency, a right now, immediacy, without really giving much information. We don't have any clue to what the fishermen might have been thinking 
as this supposed stranger approached and spoke strangely about fishing for people. It appears that there were no questions asked, no time taken for preparation. They just stopped what they were doing and immediately followed Jesus. They left their livelihood, their father, their assumed futures without hesitation at the invitation from Jesus to follow him. For them and for us, this response was countercultural. They were expected to be fishermen the rest of their days, and their sons and their sons and their sons, just like their father before them. But something about Jesus compelled them to drop everything and follow him. What we have here is a movement of mission. We can identify three steps. The call or invitation from God. The turning around or repentance as they stopped what they were doing to face God. And the following in obedience stemming from belief. Just as the kingdom of God is difficult to pin down in clear definition, so is mission. We hear the word mission and we might think of short-term mission trips or missionaries serving in other countries or service projects to help people in need. We usually think of mission as something we do, like Kid Pack or Habitat for Humanity or helping out at home free. And that's all good. But can we think of it as more? As a way of being? As how to be God's faithful people in the world? God shows up in unexpected moments and in surprising ways, inviting our participation. In that moment of invitation when our focus is turned away from ourselves, our response might be out of the ordinary or even countercultural. I'm guessing most of those responses aren't considered a lot before they happen. We just do it. The disciples were invited into a new life with Jesus, a life they couldn't imagine, hadn't expected, and often didn't understand. But in the moment of invitation, they turned around, away from what they knew, and followed Jesus into that new future, a new way of life with different ideas and different expectations and different outcomes. This is all about what God is doing. And what does it look like for us today? We say that God is in all of it. We talk about God being active in the world and wonder what God is up to and how God might be calling us to join in whatever God is doing. In the promises of baptism, we are invited to that new life in Christ every day. In just a few minutes, we'll speak these words together. In the waters of my baptism, I live as a member of God's family. In these waters, the Holy Spirit drowns my sinful self and calls forth daily the new person in Christ. Through our baptism, we are all participants in God's mission. 
It isn't something that we have to plan. Sometimes we do, but this is an everyday occurrence, this invitation that we receive to join God in his work. God invites us to engage in ways we can't imagine in our most unexpected moments with people we know well or complete strangers. We might ask ourselves, what can I offer in this particular situation? In that moment of invitation, when we drop our focus on the familiar, the usual, the typical, and do what is unusual, unfamiliar, or countercultural, how does this really look? I have two short video clips, maybe I'm on Facebook too much, I won't say, that illustrate what I'm getting at. Let's take a look. The first one is on a subway, and the sound is really bad, so just watch. Okay, we didn't see the entire encounter, but I think we can imagine the guy with the shirt noticing the shirtless man shivering. I could see him shivering, right? He responded to that moment of invitation by offering the shirt off his back to the stranger on the train. And he was kind enough to help him put the shirt on when he realized that the man couldn't even do that himself. And then he went the extra step of going to get his hat and bringing that also. He was not out looking for someone to help. It happened in the normal course of his day. This is God at work through a human being. And we have these opportunities too. Let's look at the second clip. This one is of a barber. It's from Facebook too. You might have seen that one also. So I just said, look, man, if you uh, bring back your report card here in a couple months and if you got straight A's, I'll cut your hair. I walked in and, and I gave him my report card. I didn't realize what it was at first. He handed it to me. I looked at it. It was straight A's. And so he said, I'm, I'm here to collect my, my free haircuts. That's my man right there. If we all just did a little something for somebody else, it'd go a long way. It means to give it up for him. Let's clap it up for my man Cam. So the barber offered motivation to the boy, and he kept his promise. We don't know if they knew each other or how many times he had cut the boy's hair before, but the moment of invitation came for that barber, and he responded to the call to use his gifts for the benefit of the boy.
And what impact did that have? We can never know what a small action or word can do for someone else's day or even life. Now, if we understand a calling as an invitation to participate with God in the world, how might we view our everyday occurrences? We each have been called and will be called. Some will be invited to take a new path in their journey, like Pastor John or the disciples. But for most of us, the invitations we receive to participate with God occur in our everyday. At work, at the grocery store, at Target, on the road, at home, at church. And this is mission, to share what we have to offer in that moment. Maybe it's a smile or a kind word. Maybe it's the shirt off your back or an offer of assistance. Maybe it's a phone call or a card to say you're thinking of someone who's hurting. If we believe God is present in all of it, then we each have moments of invitation that we've responded to one way or another. And on the flip side of that, others have been called for our benefit. How many of us have felt uplifted in knowing that others were praying for us? Do we experience the unexpected assistance from a stranger as a gift, a door held open or a cart taken in the parking lot? Right now, turn to your neighbor and share a time when you felt like God was holding you or when God sent someone to you or sent you to someone. Okay, talk amongst yourselves. Okay, so in your sharing, did you hear a word about change? about transformation, in the ongoing work of God, whether we are responding or receiving, there is a sense of gift. When we experience the inbreaking of the reign of God through one another, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. God is the one acting through the Holy Spirit, always inviting us into God's work. Do we miss opportunities? Of course. We're preoccupied with the busyness of our lives. We overthink. We balk at the urge to defy the norm, to speak and act in ways that might surprise ourselves. But in God's kingdom, each and every one of us has the capacity to participate with God in God's work. Paul Berge, a seminary professor I had a very long time ago, and Martin Luther's explanation of the small catechism, in the small catechism of the third article of the Apostles' Creed, says it far better than I can, so I will just read it. I believe that I cannot, by my own understanding or effort, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord, or come to him, But the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith, 
In the same way he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it united with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, day after day, he fully forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give me and all believers in Christ eternal life. This is most certainly true. Words of grace and call through the work of the Holy Spirit, breaking into our lives and through the call of the Son of God, whose words invite us and claim our lives to follow. Jesus is the one who alone, in his death and resurrection, gives us the gift of life to follow him and live with him eternally. Amen.